Direct from Music City, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Down life's crooked road, lots of things I never know. Because of me not knowing, I now find trouble got in the trail. I spent the last five years in jail. Should have read that detour sign. Detour, there's a muddy road ahead. Detour, I paid no mind to what it said. Detour, all these bitter things I find should have. Back to the place where it said about fate. I thought that all my worries were behind. But the farther I go, the more sorrow I know. I should have read that detour sign. Tennessee, our friend Miss Carolyn Martin with her great song, Detour. And from Nashville, I'm your host, Gary Holt, joining me in beautiful, sunny Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our entertaining and delightful co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Hey, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. Yes, we have a day of sunshine predicted here, a little bit of wind, but it's another day in the land of enchantment. (laughs) The land of enchantment. I'm beginning to think Tennessee is the land of enchantment as well. We've got a beautiful sunny day. Temperatures are 80, if you can believe that, in August. And uh, we've got about seven days with sunny skies ahead of us. So 
kind of excited about that. Feels a little bit like fall early in the mm-hmm. morning when you get out and get up. So that's kind of a cool mm-hmm. deal. Kind of a cool deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have a cool deal today. We have one of my favorite fellas joining us on the show today. And who is our first guest? We are going to catch up with R.W. Hampton. You know, it's been a year since we chatted, and this is one busy, multi-talented performer. So lots to chat about. A lot of things to talk about with Miss R.W. So we're going to have a good time visiting with him. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, we're going to move down to Ocala, Florida, and talk with our friend, Miss Marcia Sapp. And uh, so we've got a lot of great entertainment today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. But right now, let's take a listen to a song from Mr. R.W. Hampton called Back in the Saddle. And when we come back, back we'll be visiting with R.W. today on Saddle on Cat. I'll get this right in a minute, Bobby. This is the Campfire Cafe, <laughs> right? I am on the right show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we yes, go. Yes, you are. I'm back in the saddle again Out where a friend is a friend Where the longhorn cattle feed On the lowly jimson weed I'm back in the saddle again Riding the range once more Toting my old 44 where you sleep out every night And the only law is right I'm back in the saddle again Whoopie-tie-yo Rocking to and fro I'm back in the saddle again Whoopie-tie-yo I'll go my way Back in the saddle again I'm back in the saddle again. Welcome back to the award-winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard one of my favorites, Back in the Saddle Again, performed by our featured guest, R.W. Hampton. Returning guest. Cowboy singer, actor, R.W. Hampton has drifted across the American West, working cowboy jobs, punching cattle, riding young colts, shoeing horses, and leading trail rides, among other things. (laughs) R.W. is pure cowboy, singing about what he loves best. Blessed with a wonderfully rich baritone voice, R.W. has a quality of genuineness about him that resonates when he's on stage, on the big screen, in person, or just through the words of his songs. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, a multi-talented singer, songwriter, and actor who has just wrapped his performance as Doc Poole in the new movie, Sod and Stubble, R.W. Hampton. Welcome, R.W. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> so How good are you, my friend? Voice. I'm doing well, doing? i tell you what. Yeah, it's amazing that we can uh, bridge the gap between a sunny 80-degree Amarillo, Texas, M- Music City, 
USA and Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's amazing. <laughs> it is kind of, we couldn't have done this a few years ago. You know, this this wouldn't be possible to have done this a few years ago. Well, you know, and, but, and uh, you know, I'm ama- I'm amazed by simple things. I've got a I've got a, a, a Yeti thermos here. I'm drinking coffee out of it. It keeps things hot and it keeps things cold, but how does it know? I don't know how it knows. <laughs> but, uh, that's why it's a Yeti. That's yeah. So me, me drinking coffee out of the out of my my thermos jug and talking to you folks in three we're in three different states. That just pretty much amazes me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty amazing. So you're eighty. You're are you an eighty degree day in Amarillo? Yes, sir. I think it's gonna. We've had a we've had quite a hot spell here lately, um, but. Um, it's uh, one. I noticed you said you 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 had eighty there in, in Nashville, yeah, but Nashville. Um, we have we have almost no humidity here, so that would make a mm-hmm. little difference there. And no, I think great. Albuquerque Albuquerque has even less humidity. So, mm-hmm. well, I am I am not envious today. The humidity is very low today, but it is coming back. This weekend, and we are going to be about 95 in just a day or two. Ooh. So you know the heat heat's coming back again. But uh, last week I had a I had a guest on live from Nashville who was in Fort Worth, and she told me that they were frying eggs on the hoods of the cars. So uh, it's yeah. kind of warm out there. My my mother kind of- still lives lives there, and she she's uh, she's seen. Uh, uh, 87 summers and she said this has been one for the books yeah 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 it's been extremely hot but you know weather is what it is and i'm thankful for air conditioning so that's a that is a good thing yeah you know will will rogers says everybody complains about the weather but nobody does a thing about it amen (laughs) amen amen (laughs) well Bobby mentioned that you have been a busy, busy guy, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these movies that you've been in, and we're going to talk about your trip to Nashville back in February and playing at the yeah. Bluebird Cafe, which is where I saw you last, and mm-hmm. uh, and then back at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Awards and you know in uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, just everywhere. But one of the things that is so cool about you, R.W., is that you are a man of faith, and your faith is very important to you. And so we're kind of doing something a little bit different today. We're going to play a couple of your gospel hymns to start the show. And, well, uh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm so appreciative of that, Gary, because that, that is where my heart is. It really, really is. And, well, I, and, I know and it that, is. Is every year has gone by, um, every year that's passed and, and the highs and the lows, um, I will just say this, um, my, my, my personal faith is the anchor that holds me. And, uh, so I, I do thank you. I, I, I do thank you for playing a, a, whatever songs you pick will suit me just fine. Well, this first one is The Masters in Everything. What can you tell us about this song? 
Well, I wrote that from my days of punching cows, and it's just I, I realized because uh, my my folks uh, lived north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, and where I was, some of my raising was done there. Um, I, I I just it from from going from the city to the country and back and forth, and then back to the ranch country again. I, I just thought how blessed I was as a man, as a hired man on horseback, how blessed I was to just see God, the evidence of our creator, literally everywhere. And uh, not everybody gets to see that, you know. So that's where that that's where the masters and everything you see comes from, just a, just a man out horseback doing a job, but uh, the Lord is right there, so close. And you know the the scriptures say that uh, you know our our whole uh, our whole creation um, cries out the glory of God. You know, I think where we've gone wrong yeah. though is is we we have started to worship the creation and not the Creator. But um, Amen. Yes, sir. Amen to that. Well, this is the Masters and everything. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. We're visiting with our good friend, Mr. R.W. Hampton, today on the Campfire Cafe. Gather round, boys, and I'll sing you a song. Words, they are simple, it shouldn't take long. You ride for cattle or the mountains and plains Take time to ponder just who sends the rain Well, the rain in the spring brings the summer to bloom Sun burning warm in the heavenly blue The autumn brings winter, the ice and the snow That's his perfect circle Open your eyes and he's all about. 
wondrous creation abounding with love by the Father and Son. R.W. Hampton, an original from his album, I believe, and he is our special guest with us today. And, um, you know, R.W., I was going back and and, um, kind of reviewing the last time you were with us, um, and that very night, a group of us here in Albuquerque went to see Peace River. And um, yeah. Yeah, and when we talked to you earlier that day, I think it was opening in theaters that, that evening, and I and I went in my mind. I went back to that night, um, remembered the interview with you. How excited! Uh, all of what you shared with us about the film. All of us couldn't wait to get there. And you know, it was 2022, and I remember we were still all wearing masks in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that was only a year yes. ago. You know? Wow! I know. <laughs> That's a, yeah, boy, wasn't our we were locked down, weren't we? Wow. And um, we enjoyed the film so much. So I was excited to see that um, you've been involved in a couple more and you've been working with, is it Ken Spurgeon um, when you did the Contested Plains? Yeah, and now you've just wrapped your role in Sod and Stubble. You want to tell us a little bit? Both of those films have to do with Kansas history, I think. Well, they do. And, um, yeah, Sod and Stubble... Uh, the latest one from Fall River Productions that we, the one we just wrapped, um, is a book. It's a, it's, a, it was a historical novel written in the 30s, and it was a, a, a gentleman, uh, John Ice, and he sat down with his uh, mother and wrote down all the stories that she had told him all through his childhood. Because that was the only way they had really to get him down, and mm-hmm. um, and so it's a story of uh, German immigrants that come to the U.S. just in time to get wrapped up in the Civil War, and um, Lord, what what a I can only imagine what that might have been like. But then, with the uh, 1862 with the Homestead Act, they were opening 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 up. Uh, new country to homestead 160 acres in uh, in Kansas and way up and just right up under the Nebraska line and so that's what the story is about um, it's just a wonderful story it's a um, man there's that the, with all the highs and lows from sickness and every kind of disease you can imagine to locusts mm-hmm to, you know, 
uh, it, it's just so the people were just filled. They just always had hope, you know. And so mm-hmm. I was I was very pleased uh, when uh, Ken and his people called and said we'd like to send you a script and want want you to look at this one role and uh, see what you think about it. We think it would work for you. It didn't take me long to say yes. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just a great story. One thing that Ken Spurgeon does, he has a real, um, uh, well, he, he, he loves these historical pieces, but he likes to shoot them where they actually happened. If he can mm-hmm. just, to, yeah. And, um, and so it was partially shot in Wichita at the old Cowtown Museum, which is an old west town. It's just a, it's just a very authentic replica of what uh, a Kansas Cowtown would have looked like. And then we moved up to Downs, Kansas, which is just right under the geographical center of the 48 lower states. And, oh, uh, wow. It's yeah, it's part rolling prairie country and part farm country, but that's where these folks settled. And so they had built a set uh, of the homestead. They'd built a house and a barn and uh, an exact replica of, of what these folks lived in. And so it's their everyday lives from about 1880 to about 1909. And, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm I'm the old family doctor, and uh, my hair starts out dark, and then it gets a little grayer, and then at the end, I'm really gray looking. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, I, I got to tell you, I cracked up. I cracked up. You had posted something on Facebook about Lisa having someone come in to do makeup and and all of this kind of thing to you. So, and you were so cute. <laughs> Fitting in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. We also, also during the shooting of that, of course, the Screen Actors Guild, which I've been a member yeah. of since since the mid-'80s, we went on strike, and so yep. we, 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 had to, we had to suspend uh, production for a while, but uh, uh, Fall River Productions had already started uh, – working on a waiver, um, an exclusion to, to complete shooting. So we weren't out that many days. But if you're going to be on strike, you need to sit down in a hotel lobby with Barry Corbin and just drink coffee <laughs> I started, and tell stories, you know. Yeah, I started to say the cast, yeah, the cast for yeah. this movie is pretty amazing. I just Googled, I just Googled the cast for this thing. So you got yeah. Barry Corbin, mm-hmm. Darby Hinton, Buck yep. Taylor, mm-hmm. Wyatt yep. McRae, yep. uh, Rudy Ramos. You mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Bailey Chase that I think I remember Bailey from Chase. Longmire. Yeah, Longmire. Yep. and yep. Uh, Mary Beth McDonough, McDonough, McDonough from. Yeah. Um, she played Aaron on the Waltons. I, I worked with the Walton family. Movie. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and then Nikki Tomlinson, and so um, mm-hmm. I mean, quite a cast, quite a cast. No, it's a great of. cast, and you know they. I I, I think I I think to a person they were all attracted by the story, and um, 
Ken Ken had sent a script, but he had sent a copy of the book Sod and Stubble, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, you know, it, it it was. I think everybody just fell in love with the story, and then Ken Spurgeon is such a wonderful, generous director, and uh, but it, great experience. I I love. I've always enjoyed filmmaking, the art of filmmaking. You know, telling a story on a screen is, is to me now, this is just our debut talking, is not a whole lot different than standing up like me and Mary Kay do in front of a, a microphone for yeah. about an hour telling stories and singing songs. It's it's all related, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, you've done a few, and uh, and you've gone back <laughs> a few years, and so we've had fun talking about some of your previous movies. But I want to get to another song, and okay. uh, this one I think maybe is special to you. It's called "The Shadow of the Cross." Tell oh us my. about this. Well, can you tell us anything? Yeah, tell us about this. Yeah, Marty. no, I no, I most certainly can. I just, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you have a way of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know my. It, it may be more humid here than I thought because my eyes are leaking. <laughs> you but, have uh, tissue. Anyhow. I hope you have tissue this time. <laughs> I, do. I got a. I got a box here, man. I, okay. But anyhow, right. no. The shadow of the cross. I had gone through uh, cancer and then a, a divorce that I didn't want. You know, and I tried my best to keep my family together, and it just. Um, Anyhow, at, um, some some really lows, but I mentioned earlier, I said my, my faith is, was the anchor that held me. <clears throat> and I was raising three kids on my own. and uh, But anyhow, Shadow of the Cross came to me, and I, I used to say that I wrote it. Um, but to be honest with you, um, the good Lord gave it to me, and I just held the pen. And, uh, well, this that, is that's the story this is, of the shadow of the cross. Yep. This is an amazing song, and let's take a listen to that and come back more to visit with R.W. Hampton today on the Campfire Cafe. In the shadow of the cross, I found some peace as I journey up the rocky road of life it offers shelter and relief through the mountains and the valleys it marks the way so I'm not lost as I travel up this steep and narrow In the shadow of the cross, that's where I lay my burdens down. And when the flood of doubts come rolling in, it's my place of higher ground. God help me to remember that precious blood that stains the tree. 
God grant that I may never forget That precious blood was shed for me In the shadow of the cross Oh, the healing power there Freedom from the pain that life may bring There's only comfort and care For a bright and mighty promise It was there he paid the That the master had to give In the shadow of the cross In the shadow of the cross That's where I lay my burdens down And when the flood of doubts come rolling in It's my place of higher Precious blood that stains the tree God grant that I may never forget That precious blood was shed for me In the shadow of the cross It was all done for me From R.W. Hampton's album, Then Sings My Soul, we just heard The Shadow of the Cross, and he's our special guest with us today. You know, you were just sharing um, about the loss of so many people in your life, and it's really hard at our ages now, isn't it, that um, it's, just, it's, part of our, it's, it's part of our existence, um, and faith just becomes such a boulder to hold on to. I know, don't know about you two gentlemen, but I often wake up with a first thought in the morning of, is this the day? And then I have a yep. like an open question, and it could be, you know, a positive thing. Is this the day for a new opportunity? Is this the day for, you know, something just wonderful and amazing? Or, you know, is this the day of my last meal, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of, you know, I just ponder on it. And um, and then the Lord speaks to me and, and says, this is my day. And you're mm-hmm. with it. I'm, I'm with you. Get up and get going. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, That's good yeah. preaching, sister. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a hard time in our lives, isn't it, gentlemen, that um, we well, look around yeah. and and, yeah. and I I am I am honored by being invited to do some songs at, at so many of these memorials. And I opened my guitar case the other night. I did a thing for the Quarter Horse Association, and I just hadn't paid attention, but I pulled it out, and it's just filled with those little order of services from all these funerals, yeah. you know, oh. from the last yeah. oh. two years. I don't yeah. know why I hang on to them, but. Um, but yeah, it's it is that season in life when mm-hmm. um, you know I I've got I've got friends 
I've got friends that are a little younger than I am. I've got a whole lot that are my age, but I've got a lot of friends that are just a tad older than me. And uh, many of them, uh, Don Edwards, Ian Tyson, Kirk Marcus, Brad Johnson, and my dad, and just the list goes on and on. Um, You know, they've gone on, and it kind of leaves a hole in our life. But then you think, well, you know what? It's time to pull on my big boy boots and do some living. Um, I, 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 I tell you, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll share this with the folks. Um, what I've, what, what I have realized, I have, I have lived a lot of my life going from, you know, we're going to do this event this weekend, and then we're going to be in a week or ten days, we're going to be over here. And I feel like the good Lord said, buddy, you need to start living in the in-between times because that's where the mm-hmm. living really is. And so that's mm-hmm. kinda, Amen. That's Amen. my that's mm-hmm. my new philosophy, and, and, and I've tried to no matter how I feel, and I've got plenty of aches and pains. I wake up and say, thank you, Lord, you know, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The next the next song that Gary's got queued up just goes right along. This is a favorite of mine. It's from your Austin to Boston album, Cowboy's Prayer. I just love this yeah. song. You want to tell us a little bit about it, R.W.? Well, it, it's a beautiful song, uh, and I I did not write it. I wished I had, it's one of them I wished I had, but I'm glad I found it. And uh, we uh, a dear friend of mine, Gary Bright in Simi Valley in the Los Angeles mm-hmm. area brought it to me and he's the one that produced um uh, the Austin to Boston album so he came with some songs he did and he said you know you might give these a listen as a consideration well cowboy's prayer I thought lord I whether you're a working cowboy out with the wagon a long distance trucker uh a marine on deployment whatever you know um I think the cowboy's prayer fits right in. It's a great song, mm-hmm. and is from mm-hmm. I think my favorite album that you've done, Austin mm-hmm. Boston. Well, I'm glad listen. you feel that way. Yeah, I yeah, do. We were, yeah. I do. We were trying yeah. to show the world that we could do some. Well, I was just trying to spread my wings and show that I could sing all kinds of music. But we, you know, we were, we we were. At one time, we were going to take a run at country radio. But anyhow, mm-hmm. I'm glad you liked the album because I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I wonderful. Love the album. Cowboy's Prayer from Austin to Boston. We're talking with R.W. Hampton today on, and I'll get this right, Bobby, the Campfire Cafe. <laughs> Another night away from home, sleeping all alone beneath the stars, oh, wondering how you are. And under this old coyote moon, I'm praying that I'll be home soon and in your arms, oh, your love. Let the wind be always at my back Let me keep these doggies right on track Don't want to lose the one Let the trail be wide and the water sweet 
the grass be green beneath our feet till the ride is done. And when I get home, please let me find you waiting there. That's my cowboy's prayer. Turns sharp as new barbed wire. I pull my blanket near the fire and dream of you. Oh, I always do. And I just hope it doesn't snow. Cause that would make the miles to go last way too long. I can't wait that long So let the wind be always at my back Let me keep these doggies right on track Don't want to lose a one Let the trail be white and the water sweet Let the grass be green beneath our feet Till the ride is done Get home, please let me find you waiting there. That's my cowboy's prayer. And when I get home, please let me find you waiting there. That's my cowboy's prayer. That's my cowboy's prayer. This old cowboy's prayer This old cowboy's W. Hampton, and it's from the Austin to the Boston, Austin to Boston CD. So if you don't have it, get it. That's one you're going to thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy, as well as all of you the know, CDs. But, you know, Gary, I was I hadn't listened to Cowboy's Prayer in a while, and, and uh, you know, I was just smiling because I think the recording still holds up pretty good, but... I, I do remember one of the things that attracted me to that song is is romance. You know, I mean, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It, it seemed like so much of so much of the old fashioned romance. I'm talking about he she romance that we mm-hmm. grew up with in songs. So so much of the sweetness has gone away, and so I, I I'm very much interested in bringing romance back to to music. Well, it's mm-hmm, very interesting. Mm-hmm that you said that, R.W., because mm-hmm. I talked about the fact that you are a man of faith, but there is one person that is the most special person in your life, <laughs> and we know who that is. Yes, and, uh, we do. Miss Lisa. And, uh, My Lisa. And I, I, you're Lisa. I will not forget when we were at the uh, Western Heritage Awards two years ago that the award ceremony was going on and Lisa was not there. 
and it turned right. out that she had to take an Uber, Bobby, from Dallas to Oklahoma City to make it. Oh my and R.W. R.W. almost didn't sit down the whole time until she got there. He was so worried about his Miss Lisa. But that was I've never seen, oh, never heard anybody goodness. taking an Uber from Dallas to Oklahoma City. But she made I it. I tell you what, and looked that, gorgeous. That is, yeah, that is the kind of girl she is. She had been to a uh, on a business trip to a, a <laughs> convention and uh and then things got snarled snarled up at dfw so she was going to rent a car to come to oklahoma city well all the rent cars were gone so she just called an uber and then realized that her <laughs> luggage wasn't in yet so oh. that one of the things one of the things they had to do was stop by dillard's and she ran in and put an outfit together and i mean she looked she great looked like she a, looked great she looked yeah. fabulous yeah and and the only part of the you know they 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 had their introductions and then they served salads. She missed the salads, but she was there for their whole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh gosh! Well, it has been fun, you know, to talk about how how the, the two of you met and how how you got married, and then you built a place, I guess, in Cimarron. Was your first yes, place? Yes, twenty miles outside of Cimarron. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, am I remembering correctly? Did you live in the basement for a while, or am I well, dreaming that? Well, while we, year many years ago, while we were building our house on the ranch there, um, we had a fifth wheel trailer, and we we uh, lived in that fifth wheel trailer. Lisa and I okay. and our brand new baby at the time, and the older boys lived in the hayloft in the barn. And oh, wow. it, yeah, and the only we just took a hayloft and put up some old drywall in there and put a little electric heater and said, "Boys, you're gonna love this." <laughs> oh gosh. Well, R.W. is certainly uh, very strong in his faith, but he also is an extremely romantic kind of guy, and this song kind of says it all. Wherever. You are. Oh and that's yeah. Another one, another one from that Austin to Boston CD. We're gonna listen. Man, to you got back good. You, you not only have good taste. You not only have singers. You got good taste in songs. So yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. I could live in one room in the city Where each skyscraper hides a million stars I just want to be wherever you are Where I lie down to sleep doesn't matter just as long as I wake up in your arms I just want to be wherever you are Wherever you are That's where I want to be Just let me love you 
Well, I even told one guy, I said, I can do all those songs and put a whoopee tie yo on the end of all of them. And we can, you know. <laughs> but, you know, well, even Gene even Autry, say, you know, go ahead, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say um, this was released in 20, whatever, I can hardly read the date there, 2010. Um, I would say we have different gatekeepers now, R.W. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Well, yeah, you know, Marty Robbins <laughs> Marty, Marty Robbins told me one time I had a wonderful opportunity to talk to him for about forty-five minutes, and he said, and he encouraged me. He said, "I know you love cowboy songs like I do, and that." But he said, "Sometimes it takes doing these other kinds of songs to be able to pay for the cowboy songs," and so that's mm-hmm. kind of. But I love, I love, you know, I'm a cowboy who sings, not a singer that does cowboy songs. And me and Don right. Edwards used to laugh about that quite a bit. But uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you spent um, you spent quite a bit of time in in Nashville. Charlie Daniels was a good friend of yours. Mm-hmm. You've, you've yeah. done the Opry in the past. Uh, yes, sir. In February, was that the first time you'd done the Bluebird? Was in February. First, yes, I I had been invited once many years ago, and I and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember what happened, but uh, no, I was so excited uh, when uh, Lance put Cowan put all that together, and uh, what a fun night, what a what a what a you know, what a historic little place to go to in Nashville. It, it, it's really. You know, kind of what people when they think of Nashville, they think of the Opry and the Bluebird. You know, they mm-hmm. absolutely do. They absolutely do. I had a guy mm-hmm. from Utah that came in about a month, a month and a half ago, I guess it was, and he said, "I got to see the Bluebird." And it was, you know, mm-hmm. middle of the day, but I took him out to see the Bluebird. You know, parking lot all torn up at that particular time, but, uh, but. But everybody knows about the Bluebird, and I guess that's in they, part from the TV series Nashville. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I think everybody's so. I, played I, there. I, yeah, I, 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 of course, it, it among sing, singer songwriters, it was a, uh, it, it was kind of like the holy of holies, you know. But then when Nashville came along, it really, really ignited the the fame and the legend of the Bluebird. I think so. I think so. But the, Lance Lance performed that night. You performed. Mm-hmm. A couple of other fellows were performing. And, but I got to tell you, the crowd absolutely loved R.W. Hampton that night. And it was just a great night for a fellow who sings a few Western songs every now and then. You know? <laughs> absolutely great night. Well, great I, night. I've, I've always loved, I've, I've loved Nashville. I love the the vibe there, the energy, you know, and I know, I know country music is commercial and, you know, anything that's successful gets that way as long as you don't, don't, as long as you don't chop it off at its roots, but, I, but I've always enjoyed Nashville and look forward, hoping I can come back pretty dang quick. Well, I hope so too. We're going to work on that. I'm telling you, we're going to work on that. Well, we are starting to run short of time, which kills me. Because yeah, you are so much fun to talk to all the time. Well, it seems like we just get warmed to, up. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. <clears throat> but there's another song I'm going to get to right now called "Don't Tell okay. Me." It's from it is from this cowboy, 
uh, yes. album. And uh, mm-hmm. tell us about Don't Tell Me. Well, Mike Beck wrote that, and he's a Montana cowboy. Monta- somewhere drifted has drifted between Montana and uh, the coast of California, around central coast around Monterey. But uh, a great songwriter, and uh, he and many years ago, uh, Mike and I and Ian Tyson were doing uh, just playing some guitars at a ranch we were staying at, and, and Mike played that, and I went, wow. That just kind of says it all. That's an anthem, a cowboy anthem. And so um, I, I just, yeah, don't tell me that the West is dead and gone. Is dead and gone. Well, let's take a listen. Don't tell me R.W. It's Hampton not, is our special guest. It's not even sick yet. Saddle my horse in the darkness, ride out in the morning dew. I want to breathe some air that's never been breathed. I want to drink the wine of freedom, toast the good ones that we knew. I want to count a million stars and think of you. Want to see one more hometown rodeo or its hats off for the flag. We'll cheer that fucking horse in the wild ride I want to shoot a hole in my TV set And let the silence ring on through I want to count a million stars and think of you Don't tell me that the West is dead and gone My poor heart can't stand to hear that sad old song if you're saying that you missed it all, I bet that you're wrong. Don't tell me it's dead and gone. Want to see one more Charlie Russell print some old sail barn cafe where the old men over coffee tell their tales. I want to ride out with a wagon, smell the scent of springtime sage. I want the wind at my back on down the trail. Want to see suntan, cowgirl cheeks, and long braids neath a hat. Want to hear the summer rain on the roof at a country dance. Then we'll ride out our raging storm till the light comes shining through. And then I count a million stars and think of you Don't tell me that the West is dead and gone My poor heart can't stand to hear that sad old song If you're saying that you missed her all, I'm betting that you're wrong Don't tell me it's dead and gone is not dead and gone it's still alive and well and rw hampton has been our special guest today rw is so much fun to talk with you and visit and be, I, I tell be you sure what, and hurry back to nashville absolutely listen guys it's been a joy and the fastest hour i think i've ever spent <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it goes pretty quickly. It goes, especially when you it have does. great guests and great music. Great guests and great music, and it goes very quickly, very quickly. Well, for folks that are listening around the world, and by the way, just a shout out to the folks who are listening in Brazil and Australia and in Germany and all the other countries around the world that are listening today. But um, tell them how they can find your music and find out where you're going to be touring. Well, just go to, you can go to our, I would go to Facebook and then you can travel from there to the website and there's a calendar of everything we've got going on. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, thank you. Thank you, Bobby and Gary for having me today. And I hope our trails cross real soon. Well, I hope so too. By the way, his website is rwhampton.com. So you can visit his website at rwhampton.com and uh and check out and purchase his music there and I guess on all the streaming platforms as well, RW, is it? Yes, available all, that way? all as and I don't even know what I'm talking about when I say all the streaming platforms. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just assume that that's the case. So you can go look for that it there. That is the but, case. But go to his I website and you get the whole CD. All right. Hey, I'm going to close out this segment, R.W., with a song from the Troubadour album. Okay. And this is Old Faithful. And uh, Oh, yeah. I, you know, I I don't know when we've played this song from anybody the last time, but it is a great song and a great way to end things today. And uh, look forward to having you back real soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And God bless all y'all out there. All right. Thanks, R.W. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm, so we were used to working with large animals and reading body language. And, you know, when you move cows here to there, you've got to watch body language and be in the right place at the right time. And, of course, we used horses uh-huh. as well. Um, you know, and growing up, I, I wanted to learn as much about horses as possible. Um, my parents were not professional trainers. My mother rode. My grandparents rode. Of course, the whole family had had, had horses and been around horses. But me, I wanted a different, a, a deeper, kind of a deeper aspect in, in my education with horses. So when I was um, when I was a teenager, a young teenager, my mother found a, a local farm that bred quarter horses who would allow me to come and work for riding lessons. And that's okay. the way we all did it way back then, of course. We all worked for our riding mm-hmm. lessons. So my mom would drop me off, and I would I would help the lady at the quarter horse breeding farm string up fences. I would clean the stalls. I would sweep cobwebs. I would curry horses. It didn't matter to me as long as I could earn some saddle time on, on her horses and get some lessons and, and just, right. you know, hear you know, hear all aspects of horsemanship. And that's when I was introduced to uh, the concept of join-ups, you know, working with horses. Um, I I was introduced to showmanship and halter and um, hunter under saddle and western trail horses. Like, it was kind of an all-around aspect, too. And the whole concept of join-up really sung to me, you know, as a person, having the horse willingly come with us and do things because it wanted to be with us. And I think it kind of lit a fire way back then uh, about different, you know, avenues of horsemanship. And, and from there on, I wanted to learn as much about horses as I could. So growing up in Maine, which is where my family is from, we had pony club, we had eventing, we had local open shows where you could pay your day fee and show in as many classes as you wanted. Um and I wanted to know about all those things, so I would I would pack up my horse and go to a horse show, and I would show in halter and showmanship in the western pleasure class and the trail wow. class and the hunter class and the, the jumping classes and the, the bareback classes and the egg and spoon. And, you know, it just didn't matter to me. I wanted to get good at it. Uh, uh, I, wanted to get, I, I just wanted to be good at it. Um, and okay. it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me if it had four hooves and a tail. I loved it. And it just didn't matter to me what aspect of horsemanship that was. So uh, that's just kind of been me throughout my whole lifetime with horses. I've I've wanted to delve in and learn about all of the different aspects and breeds and disciplines and why people do certain things with horses, why certain training methods work, what certain breeds are meant to do historically and by bloodlines and by breeding. Um, and it's just kind of brought me to the point where I am today, but I mean, nothing has changed. If it has four hooves and a tail, I still love it. I don't care, you know, what discipline or what breed it is. I, I, I just want to do the best I can for that horse and that animal. How did you end up from Maine to Florida? Well, you know, Florida is the place to be for horses, of course. Um, it's it's well, one of the horse Ocala's, capitals. Ocala's horse capital, yeah. Yeah. It is the horse capital. There's, I mean, there's horse shows every weekend. You could, you could throw a stick and you could get to a horse show every single weekend. Um, there's horses everywhere. There's really good horsemen here, and there's a lot of history, you know, in the state of Florida with horses. So when I was when I was 18 and I graduated from high school, I knew I was going to go to college, of course. So I picked several schools in the state of Florida. 
um, and ended up getting into college at Florida State University, which is in Tallahassee, which is okay. where I spent the better which is where I spent the better part of twenty five years. Wow. After wow. I grad after I graduated from high school, I went to college, I got a couple of bachelor's degrees, I got a master's. I actually tried to get into law school um at FSU in, in Tallahassee. Didn't didn't get in that particular time. And I always laugh and tell people the reason that I'm a horse trainer is because I really didn't make it into law school. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I met my uh, husband and I would met my husband. I could have gone to law school in different places, but didn't want to leave, didn't want to leave Tallahassee. So if I didn't get into law school in Tallahassee, I just wasn't doing it. Um, I got you. So that's, that's, that's kind of the story of how I ended up in Florida. Wow. Wow. Interesting story. Interesting story. Well, we were we uh, we were talking about people that had horses and grew up with horses or grew up with animals and and uh, we're going to take a listen to a song about we dream of horses and we're going to come back and talk more with Marcia Sapp about some of her horses and how she got involved with some of these different horses. You're listening to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. <laughs> Little boy tugged at his mama's hand to get that pony ride. A little scared when he climbed on, but when it was over, he cried. All the way home in the car, he chanted that pony's name. Now every Christmas and birthday, his wish list is the same. And he hears them calling his name And he needs the drum of his feet The swing is dried in the wind in a horse's mane This gal knows about falling down and climbing right back on. Shovel stalls hot hay in the snow fed horses before dawn. School bell rings when she's at the gate calling that pony's name. Years will come and years will go, but this will never Wherever we went in this world, whatever else 
those of us born to be horsemen, the dream is still the same. We dream of horses, and we From her album Frontier, we're talking with our special guest, Marsha Sapp, um, today on Saddle Up America. Marsha, I always enjoy it when we have a little time with you, and I, I always enjoy kind of going through your website as a reminder of um, things we've talked about in the past. Today, when I was um, reviewing, there was a comment that you made that um, just jumped off the page to me today. And it's uh, pretty simple. It says, the lessons I have learned from the wild horses has improved everything about my training program, my vision for how a horse should be, and opened my eyes to an awareness of communication. That is quite a comment. Do you want to share a little bit about your experience with wild horses and, and how they have shaped your your experience and your training? Absolutely. I have been... Uh, I have been involved in the training of wild horses since uh, 2009 when um, I was first introduced to the Extreme Mustang Makeover because we did have one in Ocala, Florida back in 2009. And at that point, I was, you know, just just delving into a little bit more of a heavy-duty profession and the training courses. Um, I've been doing it for years, of course, but... You know, I felt like I just wanted more in-depth experience, and the opportunity to train a wild horse is not one I had ever had before. Feral horses, people haven't handled horses that were unhalted or broke, or horses with behavior problems, yes, but never a mm-hmm. truly wild horse. So I jumped at the opportunity to train my first Mustang, which is which was a black mare named Onyx back in 2009 for the Extreme Mustang Makeover. And it was such an incredible experience to be able to touch a horse for the first time in order to, you know, just that feeling, just that feeling that you're the first person to really touch a horse, that feeling of trust, seeing the horses learn things, um, the amount of gratitude that I have for that experience cannot be expressed. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really such an amazing experience that I was really hooked on it. Um, myself, myself as a horse trainer, I thought, man, this is my real college tuition. Every time I, every time, every time I have the opportunity to train a wild Mustang, it's like I'm one semester closer to my PhD. So it is, it was time and it was time and money well spent for me. And, and, and now I'm, I'm semesters and semesters into this, of course, because I've been training, you know, two to three wild horses every year since 2009, um, mm-hmm. and the horses keep getting better and better. I keep learning more and more, um, and I think the amount of gratitude that I have for these horses grows every single year. 
there is nothing about these horses that I've ever thought has been average or not special. Every single horse to me has been incredibly special. Um, and I'm able to transfer that to my personal horses, my client horses, you know, high-dollar warm bloods, highly bred horses that are bred for Olympic sports. Aspects of horsemanship will apply of the things that I learned from the Mustangs. Um, so definitely, it's, it's been an, it's been an amazing experience for me, and I think that's why I keep going back to it, not only for my own tuition and learning, but the people that I've been able to meet and connect to that also have the same philosophy and feeling and awe and gratitude of their experience with horses. I can't express how amazing the other trainers and all of the people involved in this aspect of horsemanship have been and what an impact just meeting some of these people has been to me. It's it's just mm-hmm. as much about the people as it is the horses. So like mm-hmm. I, I feel yeah. like I feel like the last, you know, fourteen years of Mustangs has really changed me as a person, as a and as a trainer and um, you know, it's it's been an enormous sort of blessing to me to have just falling into this this aspect of being able to train train the Mustangs. I certainly do it every year because it's just as much for me as it is for each horse. Do you do you enter the uh, Mustang makeover each time or are you um just tra- you looking for, you know, following the program so that you can you can adopt a Mustang and then just just working with it or or are you actually competing on a regular basis with each Mustang? So I I try to do one Mustang makeover a year if I'm able and you know if if they're in an area that I can travel to. Um right, so definitely right. defi- definitely the aspect of the makeover appeals to me because then you get to meet with all these other trainers that have been doing the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of the mm-hmm. cool part is of it. So I I did do a Mustang makeover um earlier this year in uh Fort Worth in January. Um, and had had a little horse named Tal- that I named Tallahassee um, because it was the very last it was the very last Mustang that I was able to train in Tallahassee, Florida before I moved. I got you. And, and top um, and top the sale price, and I believe yeah, you oh, took it, was, it home with you, didn't you? I yes, the horse did come home with me. It was um, it was a remarkable horse. It was one of these horses that I call magical. And I know that sounds corny, but the moment the horse stepped off the trailer, it just had an aura about it, and it really was quite a magical animal. Um, so for – and the whole training experience to me was, was very magical and very much the way I would want it to go, and the energy of the horse was amazing. The horse was amazing. So, ah. yes, I, I took <laughs> it to Fort Worth. I did show the horse. The horse did make the finals. Um, she was able to do bridalist at the finals, uh, just a remarkable, kind animal. And yes, the horse came home in the trailer with me. <laughs> it has to be hard when you get so, you know, close to, to, um, working with an animal. I, I just would think that every trainer's heart breaks just a little bit when they have to say goodbye, if they do. <laughs> For sure it does, but you know I, I am a professional in the industry. My part of my job is selling horses. Um, right. That is part that is part of my job, and uh, you know finding the right match for the horses is very very important to me. And and sometimes I just kind of kind of get a feeling in the back of back of my 
mind or in my heart that God has a plan for certain horses and and uh-huh. sometimes I just have to find what that path is. So that that particular horse does have quite a plan, um, and and definitely we'll see more of that horse soon. That's exciting. So how did you meet Cobra? So Cobra, Cobra was yeah. um, one of one of the first handful of mustangs that I'd ever trained. Um, Cobra was um, was a mustang that was. Uh, uh, w- was used for the Supreme Extreme Mustang makeover in 2010. Um, so it was, I think he was my third Mustang um, that I was able to train. And he he came out of uh, the, the Buck and Bald Mountain Herd in Nevada. And, and that horse went to um, an Extreme Mustang makeover in Fort Worth, um, was just shy of the finals. Um, there was 200 horses and he was, you know, just shy, just by a point or two. You know, operator error, Marsha not following a pattern, of course. Huh. And uh, but that horse, that, that <laughs> horse came back. That horse came back in the trailer with me because I had other plans for that horse as well. Even though that horse did not win the makeover, he did not make the finals, which is the whole reason that I that I had trained the horse. That horse did come home and win probably every other thing, <laughs> every other thing that he was entered in. <laughs> so huh? you know, the the makeover wasn't the end all for that horse. Um, we, we brought that horse home, and I did decide to keep him. So I, I went the dressage route with Cobra, and that horse um, won a, a USDF Adequan All-Breeds Award, which is a national championship. That horse won an All-Breed Award, um, which is a national championship for every single level, from first level to pre-St. George. And pre-St. George is an, is an FEI or an international dressage um level so he did quite well he did quite well in the the dressage world um very very amazing dressage career he was trained through uh intermediate one and um, we also decided to delve into western dressage with cobra as well because it was a new budding sport for usdf um cobra is considered one of the foundation horses for um usdf western dressage um, Cobra also won a national championship for every level, from first level to fourth level. Um, and fourth wow. level for Western Dressage was the highest level attainable at the time. He was the first horse in the world to show level four at a recognized show. Um, and Cobra was the first Mustang in the world to win a world title. And he won several wow. of them. In, he won several world titles in Western Dressage. Wow, wow, wow. So I have a question for you. Cobra was a briar horse, and you have your second briar horse. How do you become a briar horse? How do you become a briar horse? Well, it's a mystery to me, too, of course, because the briar briar horse company is uh, a very longstanding company, of course. They've been around for 55 years. Um, it's, It's a huge international company, of course. Um, and my my understanding, and this is only me, this does not come from, from Briar itself, but my understanding from, from seeing the Briar model horses over the years is that they they try to go out and they want to find horse heroes. They want to find horses that have a great story to tell, that have won national or world titles, that have been at the top of their sport, that are beautiful, and have a good story to tell. Because the Briar model horse is collected by people all over the world 
when you buy a Briar model horse, you bring this horse into your living room. So, yeah. you know, you're able you you bring this horse into your living room. It's your horse. So they they want to find, you know, horses out, you know, in the industry that are inspiring, beautiful, have great stories to tell and are high performers. Um, you know, and Cobra Cobra of course was all of those things. He he won national titles in two different disciplines. He was nominated and won the USEF National Horse of Honor, which a Mustang has never won before. Um, you know, and and it was it was a six year old horse that came out of the wild and went on to win world championships. There is no Amazing no story. better there is no better story than that. It is, it no is the ultimate story. rat. It's the ultimate rags to riches story, and it's it's horse. That's that's what U.S. horsemanship is about. You know, we don't yeah. we don't have to have a highly bred horse to perform at a high level. They just need good training and care. Um, so Cobra Cobra showed what was possible for the American Mustang, and I mean, probably thousands of of people and horses have been inspired by his story. So I mean, well, Cobra I of course so. was a yeah, Cobra of course was a you know a, a natural sort of like thought for a Briar model horse, and they don't pick all that many Mustangs and. Certainly, that was probably one of my my proudest and funnest things that's ever happened to me with horses is, is Cobra becoming a Briar model. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about your second Briar horse. Yeah, so I, I I have a second Briar model that was just released last month, so it's brand new to me. I I still don't know that it's real, but I have the model <laughs> in my hand, so I know it's real. Um, so I know it's real. Um, my second um, Briar model horse is a retired thoroughbred. It is an off-the-track okay. thoroughbred gelding. Um, a couple of years ago in uh, 2001, I wanted to do the retired racehorse makeover. Um, I've done Mustang makeovers, which we all know is my heart. I love them so much. Um, I wanted to do a thoroughbred makeover once because obviously thoroughbreds are important in the industry that I'm in, which is dressage and show jumping and events. Right. That's my that's my industry, and we do see a lot of thoroughbreds in that. So it's always been on my bucket list to do a thoroughbred makeover. But of course, I wanted something special and a horse that was special, and I wanted a horse that moved well. And you know, it's 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 hard to kind of you know float through the sea of race horses when they come off the track and find one that really sings to you. So this this horse, Full Moon Rising, his name is Mooney, was being raced here in the state of Florida. Um, he had raced at Tampa Downs. He had raced at Gulfstream, which is near Miami. Um, and he actually lived on a racehorse farm in Ocala, Florida. And oh, wow. I saw this horse. Yep, I saw this horse on the racetrack a couple of years ago. And oh, we just lost her. We just lost her. So we are uh, yeah. going to go to another song very quickly, one called Colts Became Horses, and uh, she'll be connecting back with us in just a moment. You're listening to Saddle Up America, heard around the world at equestrianlegacy.net, on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. Jump, two jumps, three, maybe more. There 
Trinity Thiele, colts became horses, and so occasionally technology gets us, but Marsha is back, and we were talking about Mooney, who she picked up from a racetrack and competed with. So, Marsha, take it away. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I guess the cell tower dropped the call, but I did get to listen to that beautiful song, so I am grateful for that. <laughs> Yeah, so I I saw Mooney on a Florida racetrack, and um, it was ra- it was it was before he he had finished his racing career, and I looked at that horse and I said that horse should be a, a Briar model. I actually thought wow. that before I even before I even owned the horse. Wow. Before I even owned the horse, and if you've if you've seen pictures of Mooney or you've seen his Briar model. You can see he is one of the most unusual and strikingly beautiful thoroughbreds that you have ever seen. Yes, he, was he is. Born with, yep, he was born with, um, I guess someone would say, call a mutation of the W20 gene, which is the gene that controls all of the white, you know, high white socks and a high white blaze. You know, if a horse has a lot of white, they typically have a W20 gene, which is the white gene. Um, Mooney's father was a white thoroughbred. His mother was a bay thoroughbred, and when Mooney was born, he had four high white socks, splotchy white that almost looks like roaning all throughout his body, a silver mane and tail, and a big white blaze. It's a really oh, wow. beautiful. It's a really beautiful and an unusual thoroughbred, and um, he's, he's actually not a very big horse. He's fifteen two and a half, fairly you know average size for a thoroughbred. Um, but he was raised by a gal here in Florida, um, started, track tra- started track training, went to the racetrack. Um, the trainer later became his owner, and the trainer raced him, um, and he did race 10 times here on Florida tracks. And when the trainer slash owner decided that that horse needed to have a new career besides racing, um, I caught wind of it. I called her. I happened to be in Ocala, Florida the next day with a horse trailer because I was still living in Tallahassee. I said, please, can I come and see this horse? And she agreed to it, and the horse came home in the trailer with me that day. Wow. And I, I just, I just oh, think it was a little, I just think it was a little bit of fate because I was actually hoping for a horse that was eligible to do the retired racehorse makeover, and Mooney had just finished his race. Well, I think we have dropped one more time. Uh, maybe so. That's quite I think a story. so. So there's a <laughs> little technical problem going on there. So we are going to go to another song real quickly, and this is one called Hope the Horses Run. That's appropriate, isn't it, Bobby? It it's sure by Dave Munsey. We'll be back in just a moment. Night has come, day is through, down at the gate, they wait for you, on golden grass, in silver light, hope the horses run, in your dreams tonight.
jingle him up the evening trail on magic wings across the sky hope the horses are running in your dreams tonight Buckskins and Ronies Ruyos and Grace On those that fall Just like gentle rain Jump in the night wind Call in your name They'll be calling to Marcia was unable to reconnect with us this time, so we'll just have to have Marcia back and tell us a little bit more about Mooney and how he became a briar horse. But uh, Bobby, it has been a fun show, great information, and uh, always enjoy having R.W. Hampton on the show. That was so fun to catch up with him too. <laughs> it really was. And and we'll have well there's Marcia has come back let's see if we can finish this up hey Marcia hey I you know I've been on this property a long time and never had problems with the cell service I I think it probably has to do with the storms that we have in the area today giving us this great weather well it could it could be that it could be that but anyway we were we we're just about to run out of time. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Mooney real quickly? Yeah, so so of course, you know, owning owning the thoroughbred and being able to do the thoroughbred makeover was again a great learning opportunity for me. It's it's retraining a horse with a whole different set of skills than what they have on the racetrack. Um Mooney for his preparation for doing the retired racehorse project went and tagged along with a few of my other horses to do Western dressage um, that year leading up to the makeover. And um, I brought him just to give him show experience. And he apparently was very good at it. He was very good at it. So Mooney won um, a USEF Horse of the Year Award um, in, in his division for Western dressage. He also won a USEF Horse of the Year Award for Western dressage suitability. And that's a national wow. championship. And who would have thought a thoroughbred would win a national championship for Western dressage suitability? 
Um, but he did. He a, a good moving horse, a good quality walk trot canter. Um, he actually did so well showing with my string of horses that year that we brought him to the world championship show. I had four horses that we were showing at the world that year. And Mooney won a world championship and two reserve world championships um, just, just eight months off the racetrack. Wow. Um, wow. He also, yep, I also hauled him to the National Pony Cup, which is a uh, national uh, competition for ponies and small horses. It's a dressage show. So Mooney showed in the small horse division, of course. And wouldn't you know it, Mooney won the National Pony Cup. <laughs> and at, at that at that point at that point he was probably he probably had six months of dressage training total, but Mooney went he won the national pony the national pony cup in the small horse division, he was the greenest horse there, obviously the most uniquely colored horse there, um, and he was also the highest scoring horse of the entire show at the national championship. Oh wow. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so Mooney Mooney did real well in classical dressage and western dressage. A little bit like Cobra's story, he he was he, he was intended to go out and do the retired racehorse makeover and we went, but just like Cobra, he did not win at the makeover. Oh wow. But I, wow. Yeah, but wow. I think I I think, you know, I think we had other plans for him. He did he won everything else everything else. And what a beautiful horse that did Western dressage, classical dressage, hunters, and and had a decent race career for a small thoroughbred. So here we are, you know, it's it's American horsemanship. It's making the best of what you have. And Mooney now has a Briar model to his his own as well. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, I'm I'm going to say this. I think something speaks highly of its trainer and Cobra's trainer to have accomplished everything that they have. So congratulations to you. Thank you. You know, and that that is the whole, I think that's the whole moral of the story and what I'm trying to, to show my students and, and my clients, like, let's let's do the best we have with the horse we have. That is that is the American horsemanship model, and, and that's what these two horses are. I'm probably the only person in the world that has two Briar, Briar model horses that they, that I owned and trained and competed. And both of these both of these horses were not international superstars. They were very average horses that did well above average things. Now look where they came from. I mean, the story for both horses is just an amazing story. And uh, absolutely, yeah. Peter Prince may have to write it another is, song, Marcia. It is. <laughs> I know. It is. You know. And the thing is, this is obtainable for everybody. I'm the average horse. I, I'm the average horseman with the average horse and these horses are still able to obtain this and let's teach this. Let's show more people how they can do this with their own horses. Well, uh, we want to let people know how they can get in touch with you and become a client of yours because I think there's a lot that you can teach the people as well as the horses. So how can they get in touch yep. with you? Well, I've got, I've got a, a, a website. It's uh, southernoaksequestrian.com. Um, I can be found on Facebook, and that's Marsha Hartford Sapp. Um, you know, there's lots of information out there. People can Google and, and find how to get in contact with me because there's emails out there, phone numbers, and, you know, I'm an open book. So anyone anyone can look up those things and, and call to, to talk about horses. 
Well, I think if I wanted to have a briar horse, I would probably look you up and see if I could make some <laughs> kind of arrangement there. So, anyway, Marsha, so so good. See, you have you have. And by the way, you've got the sweetest daughter in the world. I've just got to say that right now. Sweetest daughter. She in the really world. is. She is amazing, and I certainly you know count my blessings twice every day with her. Is she going to be a horsewoman? Oh, she already is. I'll I'll have to send you the videos of Dana Lynn riding with me at Briarfest. Oh, uh, look forward when to that. We just went to Briarfest a few weeks ago in Lexington, Kentucky. All of the new model horses like go there so people can have their models signed and their magazines signed, and people can meet the real life horses that the Briar models were uh, modeled after. And they asked us to ride the horses in the arena um, for a public demo twice a day, you know, short, but just so people can see the horses. And of right. course, I let, I let Dana Lynn ride with me um, on her pony. And it was her first time riding in public <laughs> in front of people. <laughs> and she, oh. we had, we had the best time. Oh, I bet you did. We, I bet you did. Well, we she had, is a sweetheart. She yep. is a sweetheart. Well, listen, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Sorry about the technical problems, but you did a great job. And uh, we actually yeah. are going to look forward to having you come back again. We may have to talk about your third or your fourth prior horse. Who can oh, help? dear. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk more. We should talk more about Ocala, the new horse capital of the world, because this place is fabulous. And I, I do well, hope I can show you around next time you're here, too. Well, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Thanks so much for being with us today. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank thank you. you. All right. Well, Bobby Bell, what an interesting show. As I was saying a little bit earlier. Uh, So it's great (laughs) to have Marsha on the show. And uh, despite some of the technical problems, she is a great guest. And uh, be sure and check out her website, southernoaks.com. And the visitor on Facebook as well. And then RW is always fun to have on the show. And and such a neat guy and such a talent. So it was a lot of fun visiting with him as well. So anything that you need to tell us about Out West or Rendezvous with a Writer? Well, tonight on Rendezvous with a Writer, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. You can watch it live at LA Talk Radio Facebook's page. We have a New York Times bestselling author. Um, She's written over 50 books, and she's always just a pure pleasure to talk to. We're really looking forward to our time with Paris Afton Bonds. She is one of the co-founders of Romance Writers um, Association and also Southwest Writers. That's way, way back in her early writing history to um, two very prestigious organizations. And she knows how to write a great page-turning book with a little bit of romance thrown in there. Um, this, is, this was a great read. The book is called Answering the Call. It's her newest, um, her newest book, and she'll, we'll be talking to her live tonight. And then, of course, the um, interview will be available almost immediately afterwards, both in video and audio format. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to our time with Paris. <laughs> All right, and that's uh, 6 o'clock Pacific, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock Central, yes. right? 
Eight, eight o'clock right, so. Central. Yeah, seven o'clock Mountain. Yep, nine o'clock Eastern. Yes, we're across all the time zones, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if you're in England, it's like seven hours or, or later or something like that. But anyway. Yeah, I know if you're oh. in Germany, it's nine hours. It, it's like four, uh, two o'clock in the morning tomorrow if you're in Germany. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Well, listen, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure and tune in uh, Saturday for Live from Nashville. And, Bobby, our guest this week is Andy Hedges and Phoebe White. And they oh, both fun. have just debuted at the Grand Ole Opry. So we're going to talk with them about their experience as they debuted at the world's greatest stage, the Grand Ole Opry right here in Nashville, Tennessee. But that will be on Saturday, and that starts at noon Central Standard Time. Join us for Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America next Thursday at noon. And then uh, you can listen to all of these shows on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. There are two or three more others out there that are carrying the show. But to find it, just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. And Bobby, we're going to close out this. I've, I've had to add more music because we had some, some right, technical right. problems on there. So this one is one by Mary Kay. It's called Horse Lover. And uh, we'll visit with you next week on the Campfire Cafe in Saddle of America. Thanks for listening. Grass ain't six bucks a bale now. Back feet is up again. The beans and ramen noodles are the same. The shoer's wanting cash now, and grass is getting thin. But the pasture's starting back now from that rain. Payments aren't too bad on my fancy two-horse plan. Sure it's dandy hobbing to the trail. I'm living in a single wire to afford the things I can. Just found another vet bill in the mail. I'm pulling on to the end of my road. Drummer, it just gallops along Cause I'm a horse lover
flickered from my friend. I know I did right to make the sacrifice, and in a heartbeat I do it all. Gallops along his army That I'm a certifiably, undeniably won't recover. 